This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, we've talked a lot about ride hailing, ride sharing, Uber and Lyft and when and if the services will be permitted here in BC. But there are some concerns, particularly from people with disabilities, on whether or not the vehicles would be accessible. Justina Lowe is with the Disability Alliance BC and joins us on the line. Now, Justina, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me. So, what do you think the main, or what is the main concern from people uh, being able to access uh, ride sharing? Well, people with disabilities um, want to be able to access it like everyone else. They want to be able to go out, you know, to see friends, to go out to dinner, um, use it for medical appointments, for everything, just as everyone else can. Um, and the issue is that if uh, ride hailing companies don't have any mandatory accessible vehicles or anything that ensures that people with disabilities um, can actually use the service. That means the service is not available to them. And it's, it's a type of discrimination and it's discouraging and disheartening. And so what about the, the issue of or the rule then being brought in that there would be a certain fee? Is it the 30 cent fee from each ride that would then be put into making accessible rides? You know, I mean, that that's one way to do it. Um, I don't think it's addressing the actual issue. I mean, the issue is that people with disabilities and people without disabilities should be able to access the ride-hailing companies. Um, just like with taxis, there's a certain percentage of the fleet that has to be accessible. I think it should be the same for ride-hailing as well. Um, so the fee, you know, while it's a nice attempt and it could be a possibly good idea, it's not really addressing the problem. Is that is that a difficult one, though, because, again, with the taxi fleets, and I suppose that's something that does make them different in that if you have an accessible cab, the cab driver, we hope, uh, knows exactly how to secure a wheelchair, knows how to deal with transporting somebody with a wheelchair or with a disability. Uh, is it fair or even reasonable to expect that somebody who's an Uber driver two or three hours a week has that same level of training? Well, the thing is, with the taxi companies, there has been training for taxi drivers to ensure that they're able to do that. So you're right, it might be a bit unreasonable, um, but that's why maybe there could be a percentage of the fleet of ride hailing um, where drivers do get to learn and, you know, get that training so that they are able to help people with disabilities. Um, Just because if it's a service that's coming into the city, it should be one that everybody can enjoy. And I agree with you. And I think, and on on the surface, that sounds completely reasonable. But how would it actually work in that? Would you have to require a certain number of Lyft drivers or Uber drivers to have vans? Uh, And it may come to that. I mean, it's possible um, that that could be a possibility uh, because that will allow for people, you know, with wheelchairs or mobility devices to be able to move around. Um, And it's maybe something that ride hailing companies should actually look at um, because people with disabilities do use cabs a lot and they would use the ride hailing service a lot to get around to different places. Um, So it's actually more than uh, it's actually an opportunity for them. Absolutely. Is it an example, though, of unfortunately people with disabilities, whether it's a wheelchair or a walker or some other kind of of device, um, I'm thinking of other things like, say, Airbnb or short-term rentals in that there might not be or there isn't the requirement there to have an accessible place that you would need, say, if it was a hotel or a government building. Uh, Is it another example that unfortunately in this so-called gig economy, uh, people with uh, disabilities aren't always accommodated? 
Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, People with disabilities are always the outliers. They're always thought of after um, when really we should be working um, and developing systems and practices right now that can address the problem because it's not only people with disabilities but also seniors. Seniors are aging and they are becoming people with disabilities and they're needing more supports and services as well. So having accessible businesses, accessible Airbnbs, accessible taxis and such um, not only benefits people with disabilities but also the seniors Um, and we know that our population is aging so this is an important sector of the population. Uh, Have you done anything as far as reaching out to Uber or Lyft or, or trying to have conversations with them about this? We have. We have had preliminary conversations with both of them. Um, and yes, it's been a bit difficult and challenging because, as you mentioned, um, they have you know just a few requirements for their drivers and they want to be able to ensure that many people can be drivers. So I think that's one of the challenges. Right, because we've even been talking about the fact that if they don't have thousands of drivers signing up, the app just at the most basic level won't work, the same as it works in other cities. And then when you, if you were to put in this other requirement, which again, makes total sense, and I think people are very on board with being inclusive, but you do have to wonder how is it going to work if this is a requirement as well. Right, no, and it will definitely be a challenge, but this would also be an opportunity for the taxi industry and the ride-hailing ones to collaborate together, and maybe it'll mean that um, people with disabilities have to rely more on taxis, so maybe taxis should increase their fleet of, you know, accessible taxis so that they can take those clients, and then maybe the ride-hailing services or companies, I mean, can take all the other clients. So it could be an opportunity for collaboration as well. Yeah. Is it a, is it a, a, an idea too, though, and not, perhaps not discrimination in that, that's a strong word, but it, we've talked about this before as well, that oftentimes people with disabilities are on a fixed income or on a low income. They, they perhaps are working, maybe they're taking a cab to work. But when we talked about the, the possibility of a transit strike, one of the things that came up was that people with disabilities simply, in many cases, don't have the means to constantly take cabs everywhere. Is that an issue too, in that cab companies or perhaps ride sharing companies feel that there just isn't the market? Um, that could be uh, that could be something because I agree a lot of people with disabilities are also living on low income and they do actually take public transportation a lot more. But I do think there's also a huge portion of uh, people with disabilities who do have income and they can afford to take cabs and they might need to take cabs once in a while from you know one place to another place if they're going out for a dinner or they're going out to see a show. And I think they should be able to access ride-hailing companies as well as other people who go out at night or to you know see shows and go to restaurants. Uh, have you been able to see, or are there any other jurisdictions with ride hailing or ride sharing that to have found a solution? Um, as far as I know of, no. Um, and I know it's a very complex issue and it's very challenging and there's a lot of different layers to this. Um, so I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know about in other countries what they've done. Um, so far in Canada, I don't, I don't see other um, provinces that have been able to address this properly. Uh, and, because, and you mentioned this or touched on this as well. And even looking at buses that are accessible, obviously drivers know how to use the ramps and, and, and people are able to come in and secure a space on the bus. Uh, handy dart, the same thing. I just think, uh, and maybe there would be an insurance component as well, is that you're, if you're opening it up to strangers, I mean, it's one thing to take a ride share, to take an Uber, and you're simply getting into someone's car and then getting off at your destination. It's certainly another to have actual contact with the driver and that the driver is helping you into the car and securing you. 
Right, exactly. So that would be um, the component of training that would be so important so that they're able to safely um, help people and secure people in wheelchairs or secure people who are, yeah, using mobility devices. So that would be a component of training that makes this situation much more complex. Well, it's an interesting uh, topic and certainly uh, one that uh, deserves uh, more discussion for sure. Uh, What about government? As far as you mentioned, you've had preliminary discussions with the companies. Uh, What about government and, and their thoughts on this? Um, Well, we have been in touch with the Passenger Transportation Board, and we are just, you know, trying to work closely with government to ensure that the regulations are there um, and that, yeah, people with disabilities are still able to access either taxis or ride-hailing companies. Um, So I think it's a conversation that needs to be had um, between government and between, you know, the disability community or disability organizations, people with disabilities, as well as um, the taxi companies and the ride-hailing companies as well. All right. Well, we'll follow up on this for sure and hopefully chat with you about it again. Justina, thank you so much for your time. Of course. Thank you so much. Justina Lowe is with Disability Alliance BC.